You're listening to the Women Work and Wine podcast, a place where we can talk about real life issues for working women striving to become wealthy, balanced and authentic versions of themselves. Featuring special guests and hosted by money mindset, life and business coach, Gemma Clare. Sit back, grab your glass of wine and enjoy the real talk. Hello and welcome to the Women, Work and Wine podcast. I am your host, Gemma Clare, and I am here to share some amazing conversations with you from interviews with inspirational people that you can relate to, to bites of useful information about being a healthy, wealthy, balanced and authentic individual. On top of interviewing some all-round awesome humans, I will be delivering some solo episodes dealing with issues that we face in our day-to-day personal and professional lives. So a little bit about me, I am currently an entrepreneur with a coaching and consultancy business. I left the corporate world after 20 years of climbing the corporate ladder in a male-dominated industry, which is financial services, and there have been very few times where I haven't had either a second job or a side hustle, and I always knew that I wanted to leave corporate to pursue my passion and my purpose, which is coaching people to reach new levels in their lives, as well as being an all-round creative inspiration and an author. But in saying that, I do understand and have benefited from the rewards that corporate life brings. And in my consultancy and coaching business, I regularly work with individuals and teams navigating their career paths in the corporate world. So today I want to talk to you about something that's a very key topic with a lot of my coaching clients. And it's something that has certainly been close to my heart over the last few years. So this is episode three, it's your mind that is keeping you broke. So with my background in financial advisory, I do work with a lot of coaching clients, especially women on their beliefs around money. Now, in my last episode, I shared with you a story about my relationship with money during my late teens and early 20s. And today I want to go deeper into the reasons why so many people stay broke despite earning plenty of money or being capable of earning plenty of money. And I want to carry on telling you about my journey with money mindset through my mid-twenties and into my early thirties. Whilst I was working as a financial advisor, I did recognise that whilst I could advise clients on how to save and invest, there were definitely some gaps in the way that people felt towards wealth and finances. I felt that many people, quite often women, lacked confidence in the area of money. They didn't know what to do with it and they didn't know how to save and invest. So I started a group for professional women in Dubai to come together, share ideas, build friendships and learn about finance in relaxed and elegant surroundings. Now, at each of these sessions, there was an element of education and an element of networking. So my principal goal for the seminars um, was to educate and therefore empower women to make responsible and savvy moves with their money, be that saving or investing, buying property or even building different income streams. Now, whilst this was definitely useful content, there was an element that I wasn't focusing on back then, but that had in fact 
deeply and personally affected me over the years. And this was money mindset. So the way that we feel about money affects the way that we earn it and spend it. It affects whether we can hold on to it or not. And ultimately, it affects not only whether we can gain money, but also whether we can maintain the wealth that we desire and work for. So we can talk about careers, about whether you want to climb the corporate ladder, whether you want to leave that world and pursue a career path that involves you being your own boss and following your own purpose or passion. We can also talk about how and where to invest money for growth and security over the long term. But the issue that comes up again and again is our relationship with money. The money blocks that we have can prevent us from gaining wealth and most certainly from maintaining it. So let's talk about mindset around money. If you find yourself living paycheck to paycheck, then it's very likely that you've cultivated a scarcity mindset specifically in relation to money. You may find yourself afraid to spend money or spending most of your money the minute it hits your checking account. And while there can be an emotional component associated with this, most likely if there is a repeating pattern, it's about the mindset that you maintain around money. At some point in your life, you may have experienced an event or series of events which now dictates your mindset concerning your finances. Consequentially, you now operate from that mental space, leaving you with less than desirable results. It's really important to understand that if you struggle with money, it's usually because of a belief that you have about it. What you think and what you tell yourself forms a belief. Beliefs are formed through the words that you hear, your observations and your experiences. The words you have heard and that now remain in your brain are called money scripts. So let me give you an example of a negative money script that you may have heard when you were younger. So for example, when you were a child and you might have heard your parents say to you, Money doesn't grow on trees, or we can't afford that. You might have experienced your parents arguing over money, or in some serious cases, you might have experienced an event such as your parents' home or car being repossessed by the bank due to non-payment of loans. Conversely, a positive money script also has a lasting effect. So if your parents said to you, we can give money to charity because we can afford to share. Or you saw your parents manage their money well as a team. And personally, you were always equipped with everything that you needed, the clothes that fit you, equipment for school, and you benefited from holidays almost every year. Then that's a positive money script. The people who heard the positive money script as a child tend to have a good relationship with money and even if they make mistakes financially they tend to make their money back. Most of us have heard about millionaires becoming broke but then making their millions again and sometimes again. 
negative money scripts create what's called a scarcity mindset, meaning that you'll always find yourself focusing on never having enough. When our unconscious beliefs are out of alignment with what our conscious minds want, we experience conflicts between what we're trying to create and then what we actually create. So you can earn more and more money, but the bank balance will still be zero at the end of each month. So we all have a conscious mind and an unconscious mind. We're aware of our conscious mind. It's where we figure things out, we worry and we process information. The unconscious mind is non-analytical. It's where our feelings and our instincts reside. It's where we store all the information that we receive as children and it believes this input without filtering it. To give some other examples, if our parents showed us that marriage means violence, our unconscious stores this as our truth. If our parents tell us that our family just doesn't know how to make money, we believe them. The unconscious serves as a blueprint for our lives, controlling our conscious minds, but we're oblivious to these underlying beliefs that run our lives until we begin to explore them. Sometimes we can get so deeply wrapped up in the stories we've told ourselves that we can't see the endless possibilities and opportunities that surround us. We're trapped by stories such as, I'll never make enough money, I'm lazy, and you know, we've often heard all the good men are taken. But the truth is, what you choose to focus on becomes your reality. If you stop focusing on these negative, self-limiting stories that frame your reality, you'd realise that you can create any reality that you want. When you expand your idea of what's available to you in all areas of your life and decide to go after bigger things, you open yourself up to the means of accomplishing it. And that includes, and is not limited to, money. So we've started to go a little bit deep into the belief side of things and if I'm losing you a bit here or if your conscious mind is like my belief system is just fine thank you then it's probably time to start talking about behaviors. So you might not be ready to shake up your belief system but you will probably recognize a money blocking behavior if you have them. So When our mindset is fixed in a way that is keeping us broke, there are several things that you may be doing. So see if you can relate to any of this. Not using money as tender. So if you're running a business, and especially if you are new in your business, let's say that you also have a friend who runs a business. And in your new business, you're a freelance accountant and you plan on charging $450 an hour. Let's pretend that your friend is a beautician and you've been visiting the salon for years. On finding out that you've launched your accounting business, your beautician friend tells you that she needs an accountant and she'll be your first signed client. But when it comes to charging... Instead of telling us straight that you are $450 an hour, you actually tell her that you'll do her accounting so that you can get services in the salon. She gets perfect books, you get perfect nails. Now, it might seem fair enough, but it's actually really bad practice. The services might not even be of equal value before you start, 
And this bartering, well, it happened hundreds of years ago before we invented money as our currency. So we invented money because it's considerably easier to whip out your wallet and hand over cash for a service rather than handing over a camel or a cow or a herd of goats or even your daughters. So as well as convenient, it's fair. Your hourly rate may be more than your friends for whatever reason. So you need to recognise if you've got this first block, not using money as tender. The second block that a lot of people do experience is sending mixed messages or bargaining with yourself or the universe. So for example, if you've ever said to yourself, God, if I can have this, I promise I will give up this. As in, please let me have the wage rise and I promise I'll stop buying lipsticks. Telling the universe that you are willing to sacrifice something belittles your own power to achieve what you want and involves you believing and telling yourself that you can't have it all. If you're going to shift your mindset from scarcity to abundance, you've got to start believing that you can have it all. A third very common money block is overspending. Overindulging is an act of getting rid of money because you feel you can't hold on to it. This usually comes from a feeling of hopelessness. Phrases like, I may as well buy this handbag because if not, the money will go on something else, like the washing machine will break, or I may as well book this holiday that I can't really afford because I'll never be able to save money anyway. This is you creating your broke reality. So be mindful of why you indulge in a race to zero in your bank account every time the paycheck hits. Overspending or treating yourself may of course also be a sign that there's some unhappiness somewhere. We often emotional shop in the same way that we emotionally eat or drink but it's just to be aware that overspending is usually a sign that there's there's something wrong in terms of the belief system. A fourth money block to consider is giving away your power. This is one that I do see a lot with women, I have to say particularly women in relationships with men and it was the main reason that I initially began running investment seminars for women to empower them to understand the fundamentals of personal finance so that they felt confident to deal with their own money. Now pretty soon I realised that it was the women's mindsets preventing them from taking control of their own money. And look, this isn't something to be ashamed of, but it is something to change. There is a wealth of education out there about money and finance and investment. So if you tell yourself that you can't deal with money, ask yourself why you feel so helpless. In so many other areas of your life, I am sure that if you think that you aren't capable of doing something, then you learn how to do it. So don't remain helpless when it comes to your money. Hold on to your power and stay in control. A fifth money block to consider is never allowing yourself to save. Isn't it funny how we can always find something to spend the money on? Being uncomfortable to commit into saving comes from a lack mindset that there is never enough. I can't save is what we tell ourselves. I will never have enough money to save. This is one of the most self-fulfilling prophecies that we create in our realities. Ironically, if you save into an account or investment, you get growth on your money through interest or dividends. 
you then get interest on the capital and the interest. This is known as compound interest. Therefore, by having the discipline to save your money, it actually snowballs. How great is that? Counterintuitively, spending everything and potentially never getting a pay rise means that as the costs of goods and services go up year on year, known as inflation, the purchasing power of your money actually declines, meaning you can afford less and less. It's a perfect storm and you create it yourself. So, power through education around a few simple saving and investment techniques can lead you to understand saving. Having those capabilities will reinforce your behaviours and again, over time, you will believe you are no longer helpless when it comes to saving. Number six, money block, worrying about what other people think. If you find yourself saying, they'll think I'm materialistic if I buy that car. I never had fancy things when I was little, so why do I need them now? My mum, grand, sister will think I'm lazy if I pay for a cleaner. Worry gets you absolutely nowhere in life. What other people think of you is none of your business. Living to make someone else's opinion of you become better will not fulfil you. The need to be liked is an ego need. Letting go of that part of our ego isn't easy. But if we don't, we are limiting our growth. Imagine what your life would be like if you didn't care what other people thought of you and your choices and take a moment to think about appreciating the things that you want to spend your money on without the fear of judgment. Number seven is holding on to outdated beliefs. If being broke is making you miserable and you keep on telling yourself, I never have enough money, but then you don't do anything about it, this is also a money block. It takes action to fix a problem. There's no magic. Even if you win the lottery, you have to have actually gone out and bought the ticket in the first place. The eighth money block I want to tell you about is being over generous. Now, the scale of this can be fairly small to medium to huge to gargantuan levels. I want to tell you a story here about my own struggles with money mindset in my mid-twenties and how this particular behaviour came up at gargantuan levels. So when I was 24, I had my first breakup. My boyfriend of eight years left me for someone else. Just before that breakup happened, we had begun a new hobby together, which was salsa dancing. So once my boyfriend left me, I continued going to salsa and I actually ended up with an older man as my next boyfriend and he was my salsa teacher. I have in fact dated two salsa teachers, although that's a story for another day. Anyway, I ended up with this guy and promptly fell, I would say, toxically in love. Now, as a side note, One of my love languages, which is a topic we will cover in another episode, is gift giving. So in this story, we have an in love, in new love, slightly hurt from her last relationship, gift giver with a negative money script and a scarcity money mindset. It really was a recipe for disaster. 
Myself and the salsa teacher moved pretty quickly. Um, I thought we were building an empire, um, but he had different ideas. So he moved in with me and at first it was lovely. Don't get me wrong, it was very romantic at the start. I mean, I was dating a salsa teacher. He was actually Spanish, so we were going backwards and forwards to Spain and I was having a lovely time. Um, back then, I also really enjoyed being busy. So I helped him with his entertainment business whilst I also focused on my career. I was in the process of selling my house when I met him and once the sale went through I had already decided that I wanted to buy two smaller properties the one I was going to live in and an investment property so just as a reminder I was only 24 almost 25 at this point not amazing at making decisions and in one of our romantic talks about our future we conjured up this great plan I would own my house that we could both live in together. We would hold the investment property in joint names and then he could purchase a third property which would be more of an ideal home for us both to move to. So a new build city centre apartment. I agreed to pay all the bills over a period of eight months whilst we saved his earnings to deposit on the new apartment. Now Eventually, there was some cracks in the relationship and I had my suspicion about him being unfaithful. We did start to have arguments over this and I did catch him out on a couple of occasions in terms of not being where he was supposed to be, the usual phone screen down, middle of the night text messages. But when I questioned him, I was always met with the typical cheater back chat that turned it around on me, making me feel like a crazy person. Now, not only did I put his name on my investment property and allow him to live with me rent and bill free while he saved the deposit for the apartment that was going to be in his name only, I also took out a loan to buy him the car of his dreams. I legally signed equity to him in an appreciating asset, the house, and had an unsecured loan on an asset that was not in my name. Now, I'm telling you this story not so that you think I'm useless with money, but to explain how our beliefs around money can really strongly affect our behaviours. It was coupled with, as I say, my generosity as a person um, when it comes to my love languages. But ultimately, the sense that money was not for me, that I could never be wealthy, that I could never keep money, that I was from a family that was never going to be rich, really showed itself in me being over generous and always sending my money away. And I'm giving you this very large example, but there are several smaller versions of this throughout my 20s and early 30s. Now, needless to say, he was cheating and we broke up the day after the completion on the apartment happened. He actually called me while I was at work and simply said we should maybe have a break. So as I said, an absolutely huge example of being over generous and giving away your wealth, which stems from a poverty mindset rooted in helplessness and worthlessness. Now, this is an example of a very big money block. But giving away wealth is 
common in lots of smaller versions as well. So it can be as small as never being able to accept someone else picking up the bill. When you're out for a coffee or wine with a friend, you always pick up the tab. So think about this for a moment. Sit with this and explore why you do that. When the waiter comes with the bill and you grab your purse faster than a cowboy goes for his gun in a western, where is that energy coming from? So next time someone wants to pay for your coffee or your wine, just say thank you. Accept the gesture and get comfortable with keeping your cash or your cards firmly in your purse and accept the gift. So over the years, and especially after understanding about money blocks and money mindsets, I learned to practice how not to give money away. So one way that I learned how to practice this was to ask myself what the consequences would be if I gave money away. I was so bad at this, I would put myself in a difficult position financially to make sure somebody else was okay. So when I learned about how our unconscious shapes our behaviours based on our beliefs, this part of the puzzle really slotted into place for me. My act of giving money away was way out of control. I had to start practising being selfish. So ever since I got hold of that piece of me, whenever I get the urge to become over generous, I ask myself, what will this do for me? And will this put me in a worse position than the person I am giving the money away to? You see, it's okay to help people. The world needs charity. But if you aren't fit to save yourself, then how can you serve other people? Remember, when you travel on a plane, And during the safety demo, the air hostess states that you shouldn't help anyone else, not even children, with their masks until yours is firmly secured. That's how you should be with your money. Once you're okay, feel free to help others, but don't give it away because of an impulse. As I mentioned, I was only 24 going on 25 when this big, ugly monster of a money block showed its head. It was a few more years until I began to be aware that this was actually a problem. And in fact, I read a book called You Are a Badass Money-Making Machine by Jen Sincero that actually introduced me to the idea that problems with money begin in your mind. Funnily, I read that book based on the fact that I was more or less a workaholic. So relating back to the last podcast where I worked and worked and worked, I wanted to read the book because I was interested in making more money but what it actually clarified for me that I was broke in my head not actually in my bank balance so around the same time I'd actually started to explore the world of neuro-linguistic programming and coaching and I had began to understand the links between identity beliefs and values so everything slowly began to slot into place I started to think about my money story I reflected heavily on the negative money scripts I had experienced as a child and how those had created my money-blocking behaviours. In my early 30s, I was earning four times as much money as I was in my 20s. And although I had higher costs, my bank balance didn't seem to be getting better. But when I reset my money mindset and created a new blueprint with a belief system that could match what I wanted to achieve, everything changed. 
I could afford holidays, I didn't worry about money anymore, and I always seemed to be able to find the money I needed. It's interesting. Manifestation is a hot topic, especially around creating abundance with money. But in the same way that a belief is imprinted into our brains by a series of words, events and experiences, changing that belief and manifesting abundance also takes practice, dedication, some deep dives into where our belief system came from and ultimately a whole heap of action to change it. What then separates the successful from the unsuccessful is the willingness to get and stay uncomfortable. They keep pushing through to new challenges, not sliding back into their comfort zone once they've conquered one challenge. Successful people make a habit of getting uncomfortable, moving through each new challenge instead of settling. So, if you are recognising the money-blocking behaviours in your life, it's worth first of all exploring your beliefs. Here's a little takeaway that you can do to begin the process of resetting your money mindset. First of all, write down the five main money messages that you received as a child. These can be things like money is evil or rich people are mean, but they can also be experiences or messages that you picked up from your family, your school, culture, society or community. Secondly, notice any negative thoughts that come up for you during step one then begin to question how true they are. For example, if you heard rich people are mean as a child, ask yourself whether that is 100% true in all cases. Who do you know as an adult that is rich and kind? And number three, start to become aware of your feelings and thoughts about money. When you have a conversation about money, savings or wealth, what do you feel in your body? The first step in changing your thoughts is to become conscious of them. If you feel uncomfortable in your chest or in your stomach when people start to talk about money, there's a good chance that you have a belief system that isn't in line with what you want to achieve. Once you start to recognise these thoughts and beliefs about money, you can start to work on behaviour and re-imprint your money script to be a positive one. There are courses to help you with your money mindset on my website. So head over to www.gemmaclairecoaching.com or find me on Instagram, gemmaclairecoaching, for more details. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Women, Work and Wine. Please subscribe, rate us and connect with me to carry on the conversation. And please do apply if you'd like to feature on the podcast. You've been listening to the Women Work and Wine podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe, share and connect personally with Gemma Clare and her guests on Instagram or at GemmaClaireConsultancy.com and let us know what topics you want to hear us talk about.